So what did Darlene say she wouldn't do anymore? Blanket wrap? Because it looks to me like you knew that on October 18th, which is pretty important because he pays you October 19th. This is the plaintiff, Jonathan Abrams. He says he purchased some rare furniture from the defendants. Now almost a year has passed and he's received nothing. They refuse to respond to him. They won't return his money and he's suing them here and now for the $2,850 he's owed. These are the defendants, William Ketterer and Josephina Spinda. William says they've been in business for 49 years and have serviced celebrities the likes of Brad Pitt and Kourtney Kardashian. They tried shipping the furniture to the plaintiff, but the guy wouldn't agree on a shipping company, and the stuff's been just sitting in their warehouse collecting dust, and the plaintiff's lucky they're not charging him for storage. They're accused of not being in ship shape. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, Your Honor. All right, Mr. Abrams, tell me what happened here. So I had negotiated to purchase this table and four chairs back in October, and Bill had year? asked me, 2019, and Bill had asked me to wire the money to him, his wife's name, uh, which I did, and they received the money. The plan was that he would pack them up and we would arrange a shipper to bring them for me. Um, we had actually done a deal before of two lounge chairs, which took a bit of time, but we actually found the shipper together, um, and the shipper worked out really well, and the plan was to use the same shipper this time as well. Those were the furniture we bought the first time. I bought two of those That was the original. So them. these are, you bought two of these, which are really quite yeah. cool looking, and these are and from I the got 50s. Them. And you got the 60s, them, and that yeah. was your original purchase, and everything went right. well, and then... The yeah. next purchase is these chairs, and it's back in October of yeah. 2019, and you never got them. Yeah. And no. according to and you, you've been trying to get them, and what is exactly his response? Well, he was looking for boxes. He couldn't get them. Um, there was COVID, and then I couldn't reach him, and I just needed them boxed up, and then... I would arrange for the shipper to pick them up at my expense and take them to the warehouse I wanted them taken to. Even though that Niagara wasn't, Falls. was that the original deal that you were going to pay for shipping yes. or no? Yes, yes. Oh, it was always we had, a deal. We, okay. Even but, though in his listing he says free shipping, we in the past we had spoken about that and he says there was some technical reason why it says that. And just like last time, he boxed up the pieces and once they were boxed, he would tell me when and where to send the shipper and I would do that. And I never got that clarification that they were boxed, ready to go. And the whole time I said to him, Bill, if we can't do this, just give me the money back. I'm happy. And he never, at one time when I gave him the money, he got it. He wrote to me in an email, do you want me to take the listing down? Have you, or before I made the purchase, I wired him the money. The listing is still up on Etsy. He hasn't removed it. So 
He hasn't marked those items as sold unless he's got a second hmm. set. Okay, Mr. Ketterer, tell me what's going on, sir. Hi. Uh, he did buy the, the two lounge chairs, and he found the shipper in their policy states uh, all freight shipping to be arranged and at the expense of the buyer. Items requiring okay. buyer pickup. Well, I don't think there's any no dispute, though, about what the facts were between you folks. Um, he <laughs> is going to pay for shipping but you were going to prepare them for shipping, right? Like that's what you no, said he is to, to him arrange before all he shipping. bought it. No, I didn't say that. Just like the first order, you were gonna box them up. Um, and that was the plan this time around too. I don't, I wasn't gonna pay to box them up. Mr. Ketterer, I, I look at your emails in October of 2019 and it looks to me like you are saying to him that you will take care of boxing them up. 28.50, I will make the invoice for whatever you suggest. I can start packing right away. I have used the shipping company you found twice since you found them with no problems. They have a new blanket wrap service and also white glove, not expensive. Or FedEx and I will triple wrap the legs. Either way, you could ask her about your claim also. So is Darlene who everybody wanted used on this shipping? Yes, I wanted Darlene to pick it up like right. last so time. Right, and she you're mentioning Darlene. It. And as it turns out, what we find out is that Darlene wants them boxed, right? Because of their size, she was going to be using a forklift and she needed them boxed. Right, but Darlene on 10-29-19 told me that they can no longer ship that way, that she made a stake, that she actually got in trouble for doing that. But that's not true because I see an email know, by you to him on October no, 18th, no, where you say, I just called Darlene and gave her the dimensions and weight. She quoted me 255.75 for the five pieces. The white glove would be 850 blanket wrapped. I will bring them home this weekend, start wrapping and hunting for boxes, etc. I will put an extra wrap on the legs of each piece. I hope to get it all together for you about the same time the wire transfer shows up. Darlene is all ready to go, just waiting for me to call her back when I have them packed up. So you knew already that they needed to be boxed according to this so what did darlene say she wouldn't do anymore blanket wrap because it looks to me like you knew that on october 18th which is pretty important because he pays you october 19th right mr abrams yeah yeah but right what happened so was... he's relying on you saying uh, five boxes i've spoken to darlene we're good to go so right that was that was the, their their policy before she, they change her. I don't understand what you're saying. What did she change it to? Because right here it says boxes. Okay, so it's very clear that that was part of the negotiation. You'd be boxing stuff. Now, what ends up happening? You go through your best efforts to try to find boxes, and how does that search go for you, Mr. Ketterer? Well, I eventually found boxes, and he didn't want to pay for the boxes. He said, "I don't want to pay for boxes that are just cardboard. I'm going to throw away anyway." Oh, by the way, let's let's look at October 25th, an email from you. Funds showed up yesterday. Tables all wrapped and table all wrapped in box. Chairs all wrapped up, waiting for my furniture store guy to call me with some boxes. Fortune. So you clearly knew by the 18th and are reasserting by the 25th that you're gonna box them. Now let's look at a December email from you. On December 10th, you email him, the table is packed, but I need four boxes for the chairs. I can buy boxes from Box City, the only place I can find that has them. So yes, I can see that then month after month after month pass, but I do see in April where he sends you a, an email and says to you, 
Bill, I am asking you nicely to please ship my items ASAP. You have been paid in full for them, and it is unfair to take the funds and not deliver the goods. Buy the boxes if needed. I will pay for them so the goods can ship. And you respond, getting boxes is no longer an option. Right? Right. Okay. Well, and then the next day, one thing he writes you, below is the info I need to get the shipping arranged. Zip code at pickup. Is it commercial business or home business or residential? What is the length, width, height of the item and packing? What is the total weight? Do you answer that email? Yes. Can I see your response? I... I have 56 pages of email around me. I don't... Mr. But, Abrams, did you get a response to that email? I don't believe so at that point, no. What I'd like to see is when you started to ghost him. Because according to him, you stopped responding to him. So if there's a response to the April 16 email, I would like to see it. According to him, do you hear from him in April? I don't believe so. And there was intermittent May, occasionally... June... July. I think in August, August I finally September. tried. I got him on a phone call. I I blocked my number and I managed to get him. I remember I was riding my bike and I was like, okay, I'm calling California. And I finally got him. And and he was like, okay, well, I'm gonna get back to you in a week or ten days and we'll resolve this. I didn't hear anything. And that's when I went to the Better Business Bureau. And only after I had a lawyer send a letter saying to try and resolve it amicably. I was willing to get my money back and finish this. If we can't ship it, that's fine. Just send the money back. And then finally, I said, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to go to small claims court. What I need from you, Mr. Ketterer, I need some proof that... Uh, because you're saying, well, I couldn't get boxes. And now it's too late to buy the boxes. I'm with you. That's fine. I see an email from him saying, I'll handle all of it. All I need is this information so that I can handle it. And you are unable to be reached April, May, June, July, August. He reaches you finally in August and you talk to him and you say, I'll get back to you in 10 days. According to him, you don't. He has to send a lawyer letter. It's September. It's October. It's, it's not until, I mean, how long? You know, you're, you were completely absolved of the responsibility of getting heavy-duty boxes. He was no longer saying, you better get those boxes at your cost, mister. Nothing like that happened. All he said was, give me the information. I'll just pay for the boxes. I'll figure it. I need these six things from you. And you don't answer that. And then he keeps trying to he call you. He has all that information. just keep not getting. Oh, really? Okay, let me ask you a question. On what planet are you living that you think you're going to keep $2,850 paid to you a good two years ago and not deliver it to him? He is paying for shipping. He'll pay for the boxes. He'll arrange it all himself. But he can't get through to you. And then all of a sudden, your response is, yeah, but judge, when in October he tried to get the money back from my wife's account, I decided that's it. You have forfeited your right to the furniture. That's what you say in your answer to the complaint. How do you figure how do you figure when I'm reading this email where he agrees to every one of your demands? Okay, fine, forget it. You don't box it. I'll figure it out. I'll figure everything. Just give me the info so I can get it done. And then you just stop answering his calls. No, Mr. Ketterer, I am ordering you to return the $2,850. I am ordering you to pay prejudgment statutory interest since the time that you received the money. And I am ordering you to pay the man's court costs. Okay? 
because this needed to have been taken care of, and it is clear to me that the disconnect is on your part and not on his. You got his money, and it didn't matter anymore. He was totally willing to go by whatever demands you made. This email is the proof of it, okay? So who am I going to believe, you or my lion eyes? I'm going to believe my eyes. Verdict for the plaintiff. Well, the plaintiff prevails in this case. Mr. Ketterer, you just had quite a little lecture there from the judge. What are you thinking? I don't agree. We tried. We bent over backwards to try to get these. We have five-star rating on all the platforms we sell on. We have no reason to keep anything of anybody's. It takes up space in the warehouse. When you sell something, it's, we try our best to get it out. All they had to do was have a freight company call and say, hey, we're picking up his chairs. It was that easy. Uh, Plycon could have Mr. had Ketterer, him in a few weeks. Yes, sir. The judge read to you an email from him where he offered to do all of that. And right. My wife's looking for the and response. That's, really what, that's what cost you the case. That's Well, that's what yeah. cost you the case. You know, that's why you lost. It, you know, it doesn't make you look so good on television. Sorry about that, but uh, yeah. that's your oh. fault. Anyway, you got to pay him back. You're going to send him the money? $2,850 plus court costs. Yep. Mr. Abrams, how are you feeling right now? Live, it's over. I love the furniture. Sad I don't have it, but at least I get my money back. All right. I, I wish you were getting the furniture, but hey, you're getting the money, and that'll be okay. All right. That'll wrap it up for this. This is really an amazing case, Harvey. How do you, what do you think about this one? Okay, Doug. Well, look, in a situation like this, this is really interesting. When you buy something that needs to be shipped, you got to make it clear before you make the deal who's paying for shipping who is arranging shipping. And that is critical because you know what? There have been so many cases where the object is not the issue, like in this case, the furniture. The issue is who's responsible for shipping. Get it done up front. I would love to know why Judge Millian sneezes so many times in a row. <laughs> she has had several sneezing fits of 10 plus sneezes back to back. Very odd. What do you think about that, Millian? <laughs> I don't know why it happens, um, but it happens, and it's murder on the expressway because every time you sneeze, you close yeah, your eyes. Time so I'm like this right? on the expressway. <laughs> yeah. I, I just have to say, par is nine. That's her normal number, is nine sneezes. So occasionally it's a little bit less, occasionally it's a little bit it's more. It's been that way my entire life. Nine. One time it was 22. But 22. It, was, it was artificially uh, caused because there was like a bath bomb, and it was 100 years old, but I didn't know that. It was pulverized, so I went... <sighs> And oh, I sneezed forever. I thought I was going <laughs> to die. And um, But my mother does that. It's definitely, there's a genetic. I guess so. Because my I, niece I've does noticed that. your mother does it. And my niece Michelle does that. One of our kids sneezes Which multiple times. Which one of times. our kids sneezes multiple times? I think it's the oldest, Christina. Always, Christine? It's always like twice for her. Yeah, but twice. It's yeah, not but like. But no, boom, the other boom, ones boom. are just one time. Yeah. But uh, we don't really know the no, answer. No, we don't that. know. And it's one of life's we're mysteries. We're holding out hope for a cure. I'm starting a GoFundMe page. <laughs> and we're going to see if we can maybe have a telethon, right? a sneezing telethon or something. But uh, just one of those things you got to put up with. This is the plaintiff, Vaughn Sly. He says he hired the defendant to ship his 1990 Toyota pickup truck to Belize. But it arrived damaged. When he complained to the defendant, the guy told him the truck was damaged prior to shipping, which is an out-and-out -out lie. He's really peeved and is suing the irresponsible company for the $650 he's owed. 
This is the defendant, Kenya Misu. He says he's not responsible for any damage to the plaintiff's truck because he dropped it off in Florida as he was hired to do. Then it was in other people's hands on its journey to Belize. All he knows is he didn't break the windshield and he owes nothing. He's accused of cracking up a customer. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket. The plaintiff hired the defendant to ship a 1990 Toyota from the United States to Belize, and he says that the defendant damaged it en route. Now, the defendant is saying, no way, that when it arrived in Florida, which was his responsibility, everything was okay, so it's not his problem. It's the case of everyone aggrieved seems to whisper Belize. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, Yana. Okay, Mr. Sly, talk to me. What happened? I'm, I'm the original owner of a 1990 Toyota pickup truck that I donated wow. to. That's commitment. Uh, that is commitment. A 30-year-old <laughs> pickup truck. Okay. And, and I donated it to a family in Belize to use on their farm. So on February 12th, I hired the defendant to ship my vehicle from Baltimore to Port Everglades in Florida. So, okay. um, and they, then you they, hired somebody okay. else to take it from Port Everglades to Belize? Correct. Okay, so go on. The day before, I went to the bank machine and got $650 cash in order to give to him when he picked up the vehicle. So before he loaded the vehicle on his rack, uh, he filled out the inspection sheet indicating all the damages that was on the vehicle. Okay, okay. of course, there was and no was damage. Was the windshield to the, damage? No, of course not. <laughs> okay, right. and none and, and noted on not. the inspection sheet. Correct. So, so go um, then he proceed he proceeded to load the vehicle onto his carrier. Now his when job was only to, to drive it from Baltimore to Florida. Correct. And when he got to Florida, what did he do? When he got to Florida, he sent me a photo of the vehicle when he had dropped it off. Okay. So now I looked at the text and the photo, of course it's a small picture on, on the text, and I couldn't see from that picture that there was any damage on the vehicle. So that was on the 15th. Okay, and um, he didn't so tell you, hey, something happened to the windshield. There's no discussion whatsoever. Correct. Okay, so go Correct. on. So, so the vehicle sat because it was President's Day, so it was supposed to load on the, on the boat on Thursday, but it didn't make it because customs was, was not open on Monday, so it didn't make it. So it had to actually sit the next week, so it didn't go out to the next Thursday to head to Belize. So once he got, got to Belize, which was like that next Sunday, the 28th, Henry picked up the vehicle on Friday. And that's the people, his, that's the person you were donating it to in Belize? Correct. Okay, go on. So, so he, kind of, he, he then asked his common law, was I aware that the windshield was broken? Then I said, of course not. Then he sent me a picture of the damaged windshield. Henry did. From Belize. Okay. So when you see this, do you contact the defendant? No. When I see this, I contact the shipping company from Florida. And, and right. then I and then, then I told them that the, the windshield was damaged. And I asked them, you know, how did the damage happen? And and because um, it wasn't damaged when it was delivered. In my mind, it wasn't damaged when it was delivered to them. All right. What happened, Mr. Mishu? What happened with the windshield? Do you know? 
if I knew, if I knew, I would tell you, but I do not. I do know. Right. But did you, I, I know that the picture you sent him, uh, this is the picture you sent him and it's a little blurry. I'm a little suspicious why you send a blurry picture. If I take a picture in order to prove something to somebody and text it to them and I see that, you know, it's blurry, I kind of take a second one, but blurry or not, when I expand that, what am I seeing on the windshield there? I don't know what that is, but I know that it wasn't damaged in my care. I know that for a fact. So what's your theory, that it happened with the Florida shipper or the Belize side or what? Somewhere during that transport from the time that I dropped that vehicle off, that windshield got damaged. That doesn't even look like the picture that I sent to him. I don't know if it's been photoshopped. I don't know what's, what happened to, to that particular well, picture. Well, you're going to have is... to prove to me. Stop a second. If you're contesting whether this is the picture you sent him, then contest it. Show me a, a different picture. If you can't, then I, I guess you're kind of stuck with it. Right. No, so because I have, I have here, I have, I have the documents where I deliver the vehicle to. They do their own inspection before they will process the vehicle in. And nowhere on that independent inspection is there any proof of any damage to any windshield whatsoever. So mm -hmm. this is a picture, and I see your truck. Is that your carrier behind it? Yes, that, that's my carrier behind it, absolutely. And the picture has the damage on it. I hear what you're saying. They didn't note the damage. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what I'm supposed to do is get to the truth of the matter. And this is kind of, you know, the killer right there, right? Because this is, here's your carrier, and then here's the plaintiff's truck, and there's a smashed windshield. Now, why are you suing for $650, Mr. Sly? Um, that's the cost of transporting your vehicle. The uh, that's right. not your measure of damages. Yeah, but you don't get free transport well, I, to you know to Florida. You get the cost of a I, windshield. I'm not getting anything. <laughs> um, no, yeah, you well, know, you're getting the, something the, right the, now. The, you're getting something in about 30 seconds, okay? Because <laughs> I think that these pictures show that you're right that it happened in his care. But right. I'm just saying, you know, maybe it is possible that he didn't even realize it. It is. I mean, it's possible. But either way, it doesn't matter. I find that he's driving it in with the damage, therefore it is his responsibility. But the responsibility would be to fix the windshield. And as we know from the text yeah. that you've shown me, it, it only took $300 to fix the windshield. And that's the correct measure of damages. It's not, oh, you've got to pay him back every penny from transport because court is not ching ching, let the cash register ring. Court is to make you whole. So what you're out is the cost to fix the, you know, to the cost of a new windshield plus fixing it, which according to the text are 300. Of course, you're out your court costs and filing the case and chasing him. So you'll be getting that as well. But that's the measure of your damages. So that is my verdict in favor of the plaintiff in the amount of $300, which is what those texts show it costs to fix it, plus, of course, your court costs. Good luck, folks. Thank you. So after carefully examining the photographs, the judge determines that the, the, the damage was caused by the defendant in this case. Mr. Misu, and what are you thinking right now? Uh, well, obviously, the damage just looked like they're there, and, and that is my carrier in the back, so I'm responsible. So I guess I'll have to, you know, talk that up to years of experience and just making a mistake. Okay, well, that'll do it for, for your participation. You, it cost you $300, Mr. Sly. Uh, I'm interested to know if... Uh, if you miss the vehicle now, it's gone. You've had it for a long time. Do you miss it or not? I do. I do miss it because they, they actually did send me pictures of it after they repaired it. And I, I kind of want it back now. 
you do. <laughs> it's a little far away to get it back. But anyway, you, you thank you very much. Congratulations. All right, Harvey. Thank you. What do you think? Okay, Doug, when you have a situation like this where somebody is doing work and they take possession of your item and all of a sudden it's damaged at the end, I mean, this could be a shipping thing like this or it could even be a car wash even. What you do is take a picture before you turn it over to that person. And that way you can see, for example, in this case, the car. You see the car and you know whether it's damaged or not. And then afterward, if there are pictures of it damaged, you have a compelling case. But the before and after is key. My neighbors are building a deck on their house and the noise is unbearable. They didn't get a permit from the town for the work. Should I report them to the town or file a claim for excessive noise and sue them in small claims? I need my naps. Don't we all need our naps? Uh, <laughs> Construction's loud a lot of times, and whether they're, they're just swinging hammers or, or, or cutting stuff and banging uh, pilings into the ground, etc., it's going to make a lot of noise. In this instance, you could use the town as kind of a surrogate so you're not the villain. and kind of, They probably have anonymous reporting to the town for somebody not doing permitted work or something. So you could probably keep yourself out of it, and they can be the villain. You can kind of fade the heat to the town. But for how long? That's a temporary fix. Right. Because eventually Construction will they'll, resume. They'll, they'll get it and those hammers are going to start swinging again and you got to put a lot of nails in to do a wood deck, which right. is, it sounds that's like. That's the problem that. is that the phrase is you, if, you, if you sue them for excessive noise, you have to prove it's excessive. Right. And construction, that's not, you know, it's much easier to prove excessive noise when someone's playing the music too loudly because there's a right. limit on how loudly you can play the music. What's right. the limit on hammering? There's yeah. no limit. Hammering takes you know, it, it, it makes the kind of noise it makes. Right. What's the limit on trucks? It makes the kind of noise it makes. So what you've got to figure out is what your town requires. Like, we live in a town where you're not allowed to start construction before 8 a.m., right. and you're not allowed to, to continue to do construction after X hour. I don't right. know what it is. Right. So when people start at 7 a.m., I walk out there and I tell them, well, no, you don't. Right. So, you know, you, you're... You're just going to have to suck it up to some extent and maybe sleep at night rather than during the day. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, you can certainly demand through the town that they follow the rules that your town has set up. Right. But there's going to be noise. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and the worst is when you're on vacation and you get a hotel and there's construction. Oh, like that's right happened to us that so many times. happened to us like a month ago. We were down in the Keys at a place, at a nice place. Nice place. And there's construction all day long. I couldn't right believe it. Window. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't yeah. hear myself think. There was nothing we could do. Yeah, you were playing golf. There was nothing I could do. <laughs> you were playing golf and I was working inside the room and I was. it was maddening. I had to get in right. the car oh. and leave the resort in right. order to keep working. Oh, really? Oh, yes. my God. Can I just tell you it was very peaceful on the golf course? Yeah, I bet it was. Wow. I bet it was. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is the plaintiff, Brian Jankowitz. He says he and the defendant were friends and they agreed on renting a lake house together. But once the defendant found out it was too far away, he told him he was no longer interested. The guy won't return the 207 bucks he gave him for a house which was much closer and former friend or not. He's suing. This is the defendant Ziv Zimachak. He says he and 30 people got together to rent a house, and the plaintiff tried to back out at the last minute. He's sorry, but he doesn't owe him a thing because the house was booked, and he's not giving him back money out of his own pocket, that's for sure. 
is accused of defriending a friend. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that he agreed to rent a lake house uh, for him and some of his friends, uh, but when they arrived, it turned out the house was several hours away from where it was supposed to be. Now, the defendant saying, ridiculous, uh, the plaintiff got what he asked for, and he was gung-ho at the time, but changed his mind. It's the case of going mental over the rental. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Mr. Jankowitz. Talk to me. What happened? Uh, sure. For my share in a rental house, I sent Ziv $207, and it was for a rental house in Lake George, New York. How is it that you know Mr. Zamachek? I believe I met him through a friend of a friend a few years ago. Okay. And so would you say the two of you were friends? Yeah, during that time, like for a few years at least. Okay. So apparently there is a group of people who were getting together and renting houses for fun, and a bunch of people got together in June. Were you part of that group? For the hiking trip before the rental house, yes. And was it Mr. Zamachek who put that together, or no, that was just you guys getting together and going on a hiking trip? Zib was the one that coordinated the hiking trip. Okay. So how many people got together in the hiking trip? Uh, probably like... 10 to 20 people about. All right, so everybody decides, hey, I got a great idea, let's get together, rent a house for the 4th of July. Tell me how that discussion comes up. Did that come up actually on the hiking trip in June? Yes, the initial talks were during the hiking trip and we decided why not do a part two and we decided to get a rental house in upstate New York. Okay, and where was the rental house supposed to be according to you? The original location was supposed to be in Lake George, New York. However, it was changed to Star Lake, New York. Okay, when, when you say the original location is Lake George, when Mr. Zamachek starts collecting money from people, because he had a very specific amount that he collected, the amount was $207. By that point, had he changed it, or what, did you think you were still going to Lake George? When I sent him the money originally, it was for a house in Lake George. He only said a few days before the departure date that he decided to do a house in Star Lake. Okay, and how far is Star Lake from Lake George? So Lake George is about three hours and Star Lake is about six hours. Okay, so how was it that you came to realize that he had changed the location? Did he text everybody he, or what happened? He put a message in a group chat saying that this is the address of the house and that's how the location changed. He didn't give any notice to anyone. Did he say to anybody, hey, I couldn't get the house in Lake George, so I got a house here, is that okay with everybody, before he booked that house? No, he did not say that. He just said in the chat that this is going to be the location of the house. All right. So at some point you realize when you see the address that that's not Lake George, right? Correct. You ask him what's going on. Tell me what you do. Yeah, I asked him what is happening. And he tells me he couldn't get the house because he did it a few days before because he was still waiting for him to receive money. So he decided because he needed a house fast that he did the house in Star Lake, New York. Okay, he told you that on the phone or through text? Through the phone. Well, let me ask you this. Did other people as well as you start to object that it wasn't Lake George? Yes, there were other people that objected it. About how many? Uh, probably a few. I don't have an exact number. Okay. So did you tell Mr. Zamachek I want my money back? Uh, yes. And what did he say? He said he's not giving me the money back. He worked too hard and you already agreed on a rental house. Okay. Did he acknowledge that he had changed the location? Yes, he did acknowledge that he changed the location. Okay, so Mr. Zamachek, let me ask you this. Was it supposed to be Lake George? We wanted to go by Lake George, but we couldn't commit to a specific location because we didn't reserve anything. When Brian paid me, 
we didn't have location. I never gave him an address because we didn't have a specific location. We were in the process of looking for right, a place. Right, but did you, when you collected the money, did you tell people that it was for a vacation in Lake George? I told him it's a getaway by Lake George, yes. Okay, but then in the end, you ended up booking something at Star Lake, which is many hours away from Lake George, right? Yes, it's about two hours away. I'm trying to understand then what your defense is. Is your defense, I never promised which lake it would be, I just said it would be a lake? Or are you admitting that you had told people it would be Lake George? The story is this. Me and a few friends each booked location to reserve because when you reserve a place, they have to approve you. During this time, during this season, it's very busy time, and they denied us. They denied us from few locations, and I needed to have people to put money to know to have a count how many people are willing to go to this location that we want to go away. We wanted to go any place by Lake George. Also, the reason Brian wanted to go originally, he asked me, are there going to be girls? He wanted to network. And the location was never a concern for him to go for the getaway. Now, yes, we did change the location, and I told him also. In addition to this, when I told him, he only told me a day after that he doesn't want to come, which if he really objectified after, he could have told me this immediately that he's, he does not want to go. What difference would that me, have made? You know, here's the problem, Mr. Zamachek. When you're putting these things together, okay, you have to have the approval of the people who are paying you. If you say to them, we're going to go to Spain, and then you say, oh, by the way, everybody, we're going to Italy, you can't do that. You can't change it unless you have them all on record saying, yeah, no problem, that sounds good. Because they've already paid you for one thing, and you're changing it to another thing. So I realize you're going through all the effort, okay? I get that. But, you know, you still can't take people's money and say, here, I'm selling you A, and then shove B down their throat. You don't get to say that. You, that. The way to save yourself from this problem is to send a group text and say, we couldn't get a house in Lake George. This is what I've got instead. Everybody answer me in the next hour whether or not you're in or you're out so I can figure out if we can do this. And then if they don't answer you, then I guess you couldn't swing the trip. That's all. But you don't get to say, oh, women and, and, and alcohol and fireworks were more important to him than location just because he figures out that you got a different lake kind of late in the game. If you change the location, why would he not have a right to get his money back? He never mentioned a location issue. Yeah, but that's not, you, but you don't get to say, but try the turkey, Judge. The turkey's so good. Just try the turkey. No, if I ordered ham, I ordered ham. Like, you don't get to change and then say, but you're being unreasonable, Judge. That turkey is delicious. It's delicious. You're so unreasonable. You won't even try it. A sandwich is a sandwich. You don't get to do that. I understand your intentions are good, but you're still, you still have to follow the law just like everybody else does, okay? So what did you sell them? You sold them Lake George. It's right here. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare for the most epic day of your lives. July 4th weekend, July 3rd through the 5th, Lake George. It's time to celebrate. That is what you sold them. People gave you their money, and then you ended up changing it. You don't get to change it without consulting the people who are paying for it. You do not. And he also told me that he's threatening to fight me and send them to me also. Yeah, and and uh, he threatened to fight me also. So not only okay. this, he was... Well, 
calling me nonstop and harassing me. Do you have any proof? Do you have any proof that he threatened to fight you? He did tell me things. Mr. That's great. Mr. Zamacek, bad things are happening to you. I'm ruling against you in court. Okay? Someone trying to collect their money isn't a threat. All right? And you don't get to sell them something that you don't deliver on and then get so snooty about whether you're returning their money. He's 100% correct. You need to return his money. $207 plus your court costs plus prejudgment statutory interest from the moment that you paid him the $207 because this is a contract case and you are breaching the contract, Mr. Zamachek, and Mr. Jankowicz deserves his money back because you breached the contract by changing locations without getting an approval from the person who paid you. That is my verdict. Good luck, folks. So the plaintiff, Brian, is going to get his $207 back from the defendant. Mr. Zemischek, uh, let me, number one, are you surprised at the judge's decision or not? I'm very surprised. I think it's very unjustified, the decision. I don't think it's correct. I don't, I, we never had a contract, and it's totally uh, upsetting me that it's not the correct decision, and I'm very surprised, yes. Sorry about that. That's the way it goes. <laughs> All right, Mr. Jankowitz, let me ask you, how, are you sorry you didn't go or not? No, I'm not sorry because to go for two or three days and travel 12 hours total, you're barely going to spend any time there. So I don't regret it whatsoever. All right. Well, good decision on your part. Okay. Congratulations. You get your money back. All right, Harvey, how about it? What do you think? So, Doug, this is an interesting case because um, what the judge is really saying is sometimes there can be a violation of a contract, but it may be a minor violation, so it really doesn't affect the deal and nobody's going to get anything. In a situation like this, the judge is saying this was a material fact. It was an important fact, and that's why the defendant lost this case because where the rental was located is key to what the plaintiff really bargained for. The question is, after a night at my apartment, my ex-girlfriend threw up on the couch ruining it and she won't pay me to have it cleaned because she says I cooked her a bad dinner and it's my fault she threw up. Should I sue her and will I win? Thanks, Arnold. My goodness. Okay. Uh, I, at the outset, I'm wondering why Arnold wants to throw up this lawsuit in response to what happened that night. If they're if really girlfriend and boyfriend, uh, maybe he should think uh, it over a little more before he starts hurling these sort of <laughs> accusations uh, back and forth. I'm not worried because a good judge will toss it out. Uh, <laughs> potentially. Very good. But uh, in all honesty, it sounds like if she got sick because he made her bad food, something that was either poisonous or just not good, and caused her to throw up, um, then her position is gonna be that- It's not the, her fault. It's not her fault, and right. causation, the real cause of what happened is on him. Yeah, and, and it's kind him. of, you know, whether or not she can prove that his food was bad, at the end of the day, it's not like a deliberate act, and no. um, I suppose you still have to, you know, clean up after yourself and, right. and pay damages if you ruin right. somebody's thing, but if she's got a good excuse, and he's never going to be able to disprove it. Right. Uh, seriously, he needs to kind of move on. Uh, yes. and, he needs and, to take his lumps. Yes. Or take his chunks or something. <laughs> no, he needs to. He needs to. He needs to move on from his ex-girlfriend. It just seems so. Seems so vindictive. Just move really on. Really does. Yeah. Yeah.